There's nothing like a person from Chicago who becomes a reporter and knows Chicago, really understands Chicago in the Chicago way. And that's Anita Padilla, formerly of Chicago, formerly of Fox Chicago. I would have made her, kept her in town and made her political editor of Fox Chicago. But she moved on to a new venture, Florida's Voice, where she is focusing on the news down there. But just to hear her breaks my heart because she knows the city. She understands what happened when Kim Fox and Tony Preckwinkle took over and Lori Lightfoot freaked out and panicked. And of course, Brandon Johnson is always panicking, and she knows that too. After two decades in Chicago, she moves on to Florida. Now she can tell the story of what it was like here in Chicago too. And where are you if you're not in Florida? As Chicago's political leaders drive the Chicago clown car into a mountain of snow, you're on the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+. Plus. So this is a guy who lives high on the hog and he has this Tammany Hall-style attitude to power. And um, it is, it's the Chicago Way, absolutely. Look, the, the, the Chicago Way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago way. The Chicago way. That's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand, defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river. Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. So in the mornings, I listened to Dan Proft and I used to watch Anita Padilla on Fox 32, Chicago, my Fox Chicago, or whatever they're calling it. And now things have changed. Anita, welcome to the Chicago way. Hey, so glad to be here, John. Uh, yeah, whatever they call it. <laughs> We've had a number of changes, or they had a number of changes over the many years, but it's uh, Fox 32 Chicago right now. I don't know if that'll stay that way, but uh, yeah, good day, Chicago. For so many years, people were waking up to my reports and then me actually delivering the news for the past seven years uh, early in the morning. Yes, it so was grab to- a cup of Joe and go, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the game. Um, so you, how long were your, was your tenure total here in the city for Chicago? Because well, we'll get to, we'll get to the news. I mean, if those don't follow, who don't follow you on social media, haven't seen, you are no longer in Chicago, but how long were you here total? Well, I was there 26 years, actually. So I was uh, working in Chicago for 10 years at NBC five yeah. and then uh, made the move over to Fox um, in 2007, and I was there 16 and a half years. So it was a really long time to really get to know Chicago, everywhere, the eateries, the crime scenes. And it's so <laughs> amazing. You know, when you're working in the city of Chicago, you'll be right around like, this area looks familiar. Oh, yeah, there was this that happened. Everything is yeah. related to a crime or something that has happened in your life as a reporter. Um, and so <laughs> it's kind of do- funny. We could do a little book 
<laughs> like yeah. hot dog stands close to crime yes. recovery. <laughs> yes, exactly. Bathrooms. Where are the bathrooms? <clears throat> right, and where okay. can I get coffee in the early morning? That's what matters. It's like, okay, I'm I'm covering this, but strategically, should I be at the police station where I can do get a bathroom or the McDonald's where I can use the bathroom and get something to eat? Or should we be closer to, you know, the day after crime scene you know, where there's not a lot going on at, you know, five in the morning, you know? Sure. Well, also, I remember, I remember that you had been, uh, you had gone to attended or I think graduated from Columbia College, which yeah, I, yeah. yes, I, you did. Jeff, I remember. I remember. Well, yeah, really, Jeff, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So Les Brownlee was one of my yeah. instructors, and and John, you had him as one of your instructors too, and right. What what a great man. Um, he was very instrumental in my career. You know, for me personally, when I graduated from Columbia College, you know, I was fortunate. I, you know, I sent out one tape, one resume, and I got a job, at, which is really unheard of. Wow, because what? That is unheard yes. of. My God. One tape, one resume tape, and I got the job. And really, you know, you most people, they send out dozens of tapes all around the country and they may get a bite, you know, but um, I was so blessed that that happened to me. And, uh, you know, part of the reason is that he believed in me so much, Les Brownlee, my professor, um, which is so funny because we got into an argument in open class. I mean, it was crazy. We were arguing about write the leads, write the leads. I'm like, I'm done with the leads. I'm ready to move on to something else. And he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. So then when I became a reporter, I was like, oh, my God, the lead, the lead is the most important thing. And I always thought about that. And we laughed about it. But he made a phone call to his brother-in-law who was running a TV station in the Quad Cities for me. And so I went there, I interviewed, and I got the job. And um, he was so happy for me. And then when I moved on to Orlando, Florida, after 10 months, um, uh, I was working for the Orlando TV station, um, working out of Daytona Beach. He actually came down to Orlando and took me to lunch or dinner with his wife, uh, Priscilla. So they are very special to me, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, he's passed on now, but yeah, his, what he's, yeah, what he did for me, I'll never forget. He, he always would tell me as the resident conservative in his class that poverty is a state of mind. And yeah. he kept pushing that. And I, I thought of the compassion that he had and the you know being the being a, the first black journalist to go into a newsroom, a television newsroom, and yes, broadcast from a mm-hmm. newsroom in Chicago. And I thought it was like, in journalism terms, it was like going to class with Jackie Robinson as your right, exactly, your teacher, yeah, you know? because he was t- he he uh, wrote for the Chicago Defender. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to be um, a, a reporter at uh, ABC seven, right. which was a big, big deal. Yeah, he was he was a great guy. So it's I mean, it's safe to say, Anita, you've seen a lot of Chicago <laughs> and you've seen the, the way the news and the way reporting and, and just the whole media infrastructure has kind of shifted over the last 30 years um, here and, and generally, and now you've, you've moved on to something else. You've, you've packed up 
your your homestead here in Chicago and you moved out of Florida. And I'd love to get into you know the why of that is, but tell us a little about what that is. Well, first of all, I'm working for Florida's Voice. It's an all uh, political coverage for the state of Florida. That's what mm-hmm. they do. They started out as a digital online um, company uh, publication. And uh, Brendan Leslie was an investigative reporter at the CBS station here in Fort Myers. And he just really got tired of the corporate chains that, you know, were holding him back mm-hmm. and reporting what he saw should be the other side, the truth. And, and uh, you know, mainstream media tends to really just focus on one side and the other side never is told. So Brendan launched his own company four years ago, and it has expanded and grown. And uh, he has really made an impact here in the state of Florida, uh, especially with all of the politics that come out Mm. of this state. And now you've got the governor running for president. And um, it's just there's a lot happening. We're in the middle of session right now. So I jumped in like at the heat of when the heat was cranked up right at the beginning. And it's a lot to take in because their politics are, are different than Illinois and the way they do things. Um, so, it, so it's a really, which is so funny is, um, he said to me, we made a, we took a vote. The newsroom took a vote and you have to get an iPhone because I'm an Android user was for many <laughs> oh. years. I've never had an iPhone. So I had to switch over to an iPhone two weeks before I got here. I didn't even know how to do a screen grab with my iPhone. <laughs> they had to tell me how to do that. Then they give me a MacBook. And I'm like, oh, great. So I don't even know how to work a MacBook. I don't know how to work an iPhone. I'm jumping into the session. I've had no training. I'm trying to figure out how to do all this digital stuff. And I'm working for a digital company. <laughs> and I'm it's like, I'm here, I promise yeah. you. But it is exciting. And I'm learning some new skills and learning how to do things digitally, which is really exciting. And I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like, the Chicago, not just Chicago, corporate media newsrooms, it's, it has changed so much um, over the years. I mean, John, you saw what happened in your newsroom. And, yeah, I saw uh, what I, happened to me. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, I saw what was going on in our newsroom. And I just want to be clear, you know, first of all, they did not see this coming. I made these plans. I started, you know, working on this very quietly. But um, they wanted me to stay, and they were quite shocked that I wanted to leave broadcast journalism and go into the into the great beyond <laughs> the new frontier of digital media, which I really believe is the future of journalism because I think that people want honest conversations. I mean, whatever you think about Tucker Carlson, when he got fired, I was like, oh, he's he's probably done. Well, then he went right to social media on X. Right. And he just blew up and his viewership mm-hmm. and what the impact he's making on X, which is a platform for free speech. Right. He is making so much impact there. He's reaching quadruple what he was on Fox News, which blows people away. And now, you know, you guys know Don Lemon just joined X. So yeah. I, I really do believe that digital media is where people want those honest conversations. They want the full conversation. They don't want it sanitized by a reporter who decides what sound bites and in what context it's going to be presented. And that's where I, what I want to do is be able to give people, you know, the whole conversation because John, you know, how many times have you talked to people and they're pouring their heart out to you 
and their tears are coming down. The emotion is coming out of these mothers or victims or family members who have lost somebody who've died so tragically. And you have to put it into, you know, a soundbite or, or, or a quote. And the emotion sometimes is just it's lost for the viewer on television. So I have to choose which of that that interview is best. And um, sometimes people want to hear the whole thing. They don't want to just have it down to a soundbite. I mean, so, yeah, so I mean, obviously, you know, the digital is the future and this idea of gatekeepers and like, you know, capitalism leading the content of of news, which has always been weird to me. You know, this idea that we were, you know, drilling down the day's news in an hour every night interspaced right. by like these blaring messages of corporatism like that's clearly had to have some sort of impact in the downfall of, of a major medium but we don't, we're not diving that deep today what i'd love to get to you is you know what's you know what's the thing in chicago that you've seen where have you seen the needle kind of shift over time or or, or, or transition away from because john always talk about the idea that there's you know there used to be really good editors right the editors who were well what's the other side of the story or trying to push you to to stretch out you know the idea of perception as a reporter of of reality of what's what's happening and how to you know give that to other people have you seen that change how did you have you seen that change i mean what's What's the machinations that have led to this point where, you know, nobody really trusts any of the newspapers in Chicago? You know, we barely people barely trust a lot of the, the TV stations and they are searching out other forms of media like what you're working on now in Florida. Uh, that's a great question. You know, um, well, I think the uh, beginning started with social media and sure. what we saw was a big push for um, content and then people became, you know, known for, you know, creating, you know, viral moments. And that seems to be the focus for so many people. But in addition to that, you know, uh, I, I really feel like there was a shift. First of all, corporate corporate media, whether it's papers or television newsrooms, they're, they're newsrooms. They're, they're always trying to make the bottom dollar. They, they right. just want the money. The money has to go up to uh, up to the top. And so whatever revenue they're creating at the bottom, it always goes up to the top and very rarely does it come back down to the newsroom. So the newsrooms started to shrink and shrink both in print and in television. They don't want to um, lose that revenue stream that they're sending up to the top. And so what you have are shrinking newsrooms and um, budgets that want younger reporters that are not seasoned and they're very Mm -hmm. green and um, so, I mean, I think that's happened a lot, but I think more so now than ever, you see a lot of that. Television stations are really pushing for what they call multimedia journalists, people that are basically going out, shooting the story, editing the story, writing the story, presenting the story, and they're doing it all. And there goes the cameraman and there goes the editor, you know, so now you have one person doing everything. So they've eliminated two jobs right there. So there's that big push for that. And in the Chicago newsrooms, they really want to do that. But, you know, the and I hate to say it like this, but the saving grace for, for reporters right now is all this crime in Chicago. They can't they can't go anywhere and sit in a car without fear of being carjacked or become a victim of a crime. I mean, a couple of incidents happened with uh, reporters at Fox 32. Um, Joni Lum, you know, standing mm-hmm. outside, somebody came up and it looked like they pointed a gun at her. And I think yeah. it actually ended up being a remote control. But um, for the quick flash, somebody coming up sure. and pointing something at you in it's a very scary and frightening moment. And she was really shaken. 
Um, and then, you know, you hear about people getting carjacked. So I, I think that they're pushing a lot for that. So I see that coming. Eventually, they're going to try to implement that in more and more newsrooms. But I also think that um, the pandemic had a lot to do with it, too. I don't know about you guys, but yeah. like I remember the days of as a reporter going to press conferences and quite frankly, just, you know, asking the questions, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and people answering them because they knew, you know, we are the watchdogs of government and they had to, you know, answer because the public had a right to know what was yeah. going on. But then when the pandemic came, mm-hmm. what you saw was governor Pritzker and mayor Lightfoot deciding when and where they were going to make themselves available. Yeah. They allowed <laughs> one reporter into the room. That reporter was fed a bunch of questions from different TV stations and different media outlets and that reporter would have a list of questions that they would go through and there would be no follow up, no hard questions because they had to get to everybody's question yeah. in the limited amount of time that they were available. And then when the pandemic ended, those lawmakers felt like they didn't need to answer right. anybody's questions. And it still, still continues today. Was six Governor feet? Pritzker's what office, six feet? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> you know, Exactly. Um, so, you know, the Governor Pritzker, Mayor Johnson, they don't feel like they're accountable to the public. They don't. They don't feel like they need to answer your questions. I mean, who is Governor Pritzker to lock out Amy Jacobson from uh, a press conference? I mean, that to me, I'm, I'm so glad she fought that two and one. Um, where, where's the media? Where's the media? Thank where's you. The media to, here's my problem. I mean, yeah, I was a columnist at the end, but for, you know, 25 years, I was a reporter, too. And where where are the columnists, the editorialists, the people, the opinionators that count? There's nobody that counts anymore because none of them are heavy. They're all lightweights who are left. But to hold the governor or the mayor to the the feet to the fire, right? There's nobody like that. And the editorial boards won't do it. The newspapers and broadcast won't do it. Just the other day, uh, WBBM had a interview with Rahm Emanuel. I just heard this on Dan Prof's show before the show, before our program today. Uh, he was, Rob was interviewed, let's see, about, what was it about? It was about, it was about uh, immigration, okay? Mm-hmm. And he, he was like kind of criticizing the president, but not really saying we're a nation of laws. But we have to have laws, and we have to be kind. And uh, it was all gobbledygook. There's nothing really coming out of the mouth except mm-hmm. nonsense. But there's no where the reporter, the the reporter that knows, like the the Anita Padilla, to say, wait a minute, uh, mayor or former mayor, now ambassador, Rob, you said <laughs> so. You you told Clinton to uh, condemn illegal immigrants back when you were the chief of staff for him when you were supporting him and now you you're switching your tune because yeah, there's right. nobody nobody out there who's out there who knows what they're doing right and right so, they're just they're just asking questions and they're not listening and they're just not sound. probing yeah it's just sound it's it i mean we, we, that's, that's what's frustrating I know we we've, we moved into this world too, where it's like this, like uh, news by press release, right? I can't tell you how many times I've heard 
any verbatim stuff from off of, off of government ref- press releases or even corporate press releases for that matter. And there's no fact checking. There's no, you know, is this an actual, you know, are they, are they making any sense? Are they telling us the truth? It's just, you get this, you know, well, the mayor proud a message and this must be how it is, you know? And I feel like we've shifted more and more into that realm where we, whatever they tell us, we, the, the media puts it out. And breaking that's why, news, right, breaking news right, exactly. right now. Breaking news, uh, just, just hand the press release. This just hinted to me. Kim Fox has announced she has recused herself from the Jesse Smollett story. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really shouldn't. Exactly, John. Yeah. And, and so so differentiating that kind of from what you guys are now doing in the digital space, I mean, how do you because I'm curious, how do you chase down a story or what what lead drives the way you guys cover down there? I mean, I know you're new to it, I know you've only been there a week, so we're asking a lot. But just, you know, it, what's the flow like or what's the the, the uh, organization? There? And we can cut this if it doesn't make sense. But Well, you know, I don't It's hard for me to say right now because the first week I was just swimming trying to stay above ground, uh, above, you know, water just to breathe yeah. and learn the system. So it's hard for me to say how I would cover it. But I could tell you the team of reporters that they have. Uh, that we have here, um, it, it they're incredible. I, I'm kind of blown away at, at the amount of output and the um, and the uh, accountability that they hold these lawmakers to, and they w- make sure that they give people context. And I'm just really surprised at how well they are. Like a little well-oiled machine, really does blow me away. So I'm looking forward to getting my feet in there and asking those questions, but. You know, here's the thing what I think a lot of young reporters don't understand. It's like it's it's okay if you ask the tough questions. It's how you ask the question that makes it Mm -hmm. rude or not or makes them upset. And sometimes, you know, it's uncomfortable for your guest. But oftentimes I know that when I was at Good Day Chicago and we would bring guests on live, I would give them a heads up. Well, first of all, they know for well, if they didn't know they were they were not watching the show. You, if you're going to come on with me, you're not going to get a softball question and I'm going to ask the tough questions and it may feel a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to let you know that I'm going to ask that question. So be prepared cuz it's coming. You're going to see it coming. You're going to see it coming. Yeah. And yeah. I and I wouldn't never and you know what? I found that most of my guests uh, except for Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot, <laughs> they appreciated that. Um, but there were those Lori Lightfoot and Preckwinkle who would not come back on the show because they didn't like it that I was asking them the tough questions, and they didn't they didn't want to um, be put in a position where they had to answer those. So they just Wait, avoided. But you're a POC. But- you're a POC. You're a person <laughs> of color. How do you? How do you? Not- how could you ask that question? It'd be me. Yeah, yeah. Well, right? and that's just it. I'm like, you know what? I don't care <laughs> who you think I am. I'm right, here to right. give people the answers that they need. Exactly. And um, you know, and, and especially during the pandemic, you know, there was uh, a lot of government um things that were coming out of the government uh, was really making me upset. Mm-hmm. And then you had corporate media telling me, you can't ask those questions. Oh, yes, I can. Jeez. Because you know what? People have a right to know both sides of this vaccine what's going on with this why when you start offering me money to take a vaccine or you offer people little gift cards what's going on that people don't <laughs> want to take it and why you are you criticizing right. yeah right right and why is the black community uh you know uh leery of things that the government wants them to do well huh i wonder why so uh you know 
So that was my job to ask those questions, whether I wanted to be vaccinated or not. It was my job to ask those questions. And um, I got a lot of pushback from my bosses um, telling me, yeah, you know, you got to be careful. You sound anti-vax. No, I sound like I'm trying to be informed and I'm trying to make people aware of what's going on with uh, this. And not everybody is on board with this. And that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, it's um, I have to say, though, I have to give it to um, my my bosses, though. They did. They did give me a lot of leeway (laughs) at Fox, though, that Piacente and and, uh, Dennis Welsh, they did. Uh, But they had to rein me in sometimes because it'd be like, okay, we you know, but, you know, that's what it is being a journalist, being a a reporter, you're fighting. You're fighting for for others, not just yourself. You just you're fighting out there for people to have that information. Well, people wanted to know. For they wanted to know how is this going to affect my kid if my kid right. takes this vaccine, and right. will I lose my job if I don't take the vaccine? And number three, I don't have a horse farm to send my daughter to <laughs> Florida. Right. I don't. Right. Have, I, I, I'm not going to be making the Queen of the Memes commercials like uh, Lori <laughs> did, and then go get my hair done because right. I'm the face of Chicago. I mean, but the they got away with so. Oh man. Oh. Man. And it's just, and that's the kind of stuff that drove me crazy too. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, you, you're doing, you're such a hypocrite. I, I just, that stuff drove me crazy. And of course, you know, even now uh, with uh, Brandon Johnson, who doesn't want to give interviews or yeah. answer uh, or be accountable to the taxpayers. And, uh, you know, everybody's worried. You don't want to say the wrong thing because then he won't give you an interview. Guess what? He's not going to give you an right. interview anyway. Exactly. You know, if you're not ready to talk about the celebrity of Brandon Johnson, then, you know, you're not going to get that interview. Sorry. Well, he's a goofball. Let's admit it. He's a goofball and he's the mayor of Chicago. And all eyes will be on Chicago in the next <clears throat> this next summer because we're having the convention. Uh, Chicago is having the Democratic National Convention. Stupid, yeah. stupid move. Okay. <laughs> Because all the crime is going to be front yeah. and center. But speaking front of which, now you, you dealt with that, Anita. I mean, uh, you dealt with the crime, in the crime coverage in Chicago. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm wondering, what do you think of uh, now that uh, Kim Fox is leaving? What do you think of Kim Fox on the way out? Because she's telling everyone, at least I, I saw a story in the Sun-Times Besides the fact that she doesn't know what she's going to do next, uh, she said, quote, nobody ran me out of my job. (laughs) She ran herself out of a job. Let me tell you, she has, my sources tell me she has destroyed that office. Good riddance Mm. to Kim Fox. That's what I can say is good riddance. What a mistake. And and you know what, Chicago, you voted for her twice. So I don't know what to tell you voters. That's on you. You voted for her twice because you thought that she would be uh, for the African-American agenda. Well, guess what? The African-Americans were hurt by a lot of the things that she did. Letting these criminals go and letting them get away with crimes. Petty crimes become bigger crimes when people aren't held accountable for what they've done. 
And what she has done to that office is destroyed it. You talk about newsrooms and how they've changed over the years. Well, she did to that office in the short time that she was there, what it takes decades for a newsroom to do to their staff. So what she did there was destroyed it. All those seasoned veteran oh, uh, prosecutors so that know the law, the ones that know felony review, the ones, you know, they that care about have, they just got, they who, who care about it. They got fed up with her and they left or they were pushed out. And what you had were a bunch of social justice warriors that were in there and just letting all of these people go out back onto the street, commit more crimes against their own communities and letting them become victimized. I mean, it's unbelievable to me what she was able to do in just a short period of time. So good riddance to her and whoever gets that position, good luck. You are going to need it because it's going to take decades to fix it. I mean, really, I don't know how you fix it. It's so bad right now. Well, you you nailed it, Anita, on the uh, politics of it, where she sold the vote, like, vote for me and yeah. I'll, carry, I'll carry the black agenda. But that agenda, that, as she put it, uh, basically hurt Af- uh, black people because they're the, in the poor were being victimized by the repeat offenders who were let go and, and released. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. But here's the thing. She is responsible. She leaves. She, wear, she wears the jacket. She carries the heat. What about her patron? What about her creator, Tony Preckwinkle? Well, well that's, let's just be honest. Who's running, who's running <laughs> you know, the state's attorney's office? Who's running City Hall right now? If people think Brandon Johnson's making decisions for Chicago, guess what, folks? Wake up. He is not. He's the puppet. And I don't care what. His office has to say he is doing whatever Tony Preckwinkle tells him to do and also what CTU tells him to do. That's exactly. who's running City Hall right now. Exactly. CTU and, you know, Tony Preckwinkle, they are running that show. And Tony Preckwinkle is also running the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. So, uh, you know, I've heard, you know, uh, that, you know, she, she she has her people and she plants people and, and races. I mean, you know, it's all politics the way it is. But, you know. This is uh, why would why would she do that? I I cannot understand why she would continue on that agenda. Uh, uh, like you know, it's destroying the community. Do you not care? You know, of I'm of course she cares, but at the same time, you can't let the pendulum swing the other way um, from what it was. You have to hold people accountable for these crimes and um, th- this this whole thing of sh- social justice. There are some things to that. You know, I, I understand what you're saying, but like y- your own communities are being hurt by this. The really. last the last 30 seconds of tape that you heard <laughs> is the reason why if there were a time machine, I could get back into it, <laughs> go back and become the owner of Fox 32 Chicago and say, Anita Padilla, you're not leaving. You're the political editor of this news station. <laughs> That's what I would do. But of course they didn't. No offense, Mike Flannery. Okay, enjoy. I hope the, you know, fiddly D and all that music and the 19th Ward and all the bagpipes and all that. But that's why you should have been political editor. I would have made you political editor. I would made I would have mandated that there be a perspective by Anita Padilla at least three times a week. Well, thank you, John. I really appreciate that. It says a lot. 
You know, I don't even know that they even thought about me for political reporting. And I just, you know, when you, when you cover uh, Chicago for so many years, you have, um, uh, you have so much, uh, you have a different perspective and to see it, you know, and for somebody who's covered it in the black community and has been a voice for the black community and I'm, I'm Latina. So, yeah. and, and for the, for the Hispanic community, but I listen to those folks when I go down to, when I went down to the neighborhoods, you know, when I went to the West side and I listened to them when other people would not listen to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were the, the faith leaders that really, and there are some hardworking faith leaders out there. Reverend Robin Hood, that guy is works tirelessly. I've never seen a man that I don't think the guy sleeps. But he would always call me. He's like, you know, we got this problem and nobody else would listen. And I would go out there and I would do a story on it. But you see the frustration that they have. And, you know, what I couldn't understand is you have, uh, you know, uh, you have a, a black mayor, black superintendent, black state's attorney, black Cook County president and a black uh, chief judge. Why is the black community hurting so badly in Chicago? That makes no sense to me. So that is a frustration. And I think, again, we need to hold them accountable. The community needs to hold them accountable. Big go. Big go 100%. And as long as the community doesn't hold them accountable, no one else will. Absolutely. And we certainly have seen the drumming of that with the migrant influx. And I don't, we don't need to dive into that at this point because it's, as we sit here and tape this, it's getting cold and snowy in Chicago, and Brennan Johnson has got his hands full to deal with that. Uh, but you've seen it. You have seen people, your community starting. No, no, to get- amount, of, no amount of antidepressants can cure him of no. this problem. No, no. He you certainly know? is feeling the oh, malaise. I know. Yeah. It's so true. And, you know, I, I, actually, you, you brought it up. I was going to bring it up, and I thought, oh, panic attacks. The mayor's panic attacks. Oh, can yes, we talk about yes. that? Yeah, yeah. Can yeah. we talk about that? Because sources told me two sources told me that he has been in the hospital for these panic attacks, and he is stressed out because Ooh. this is a big, big job for him. Um, he wasn't I've ready he's for it. At, he's not ready for it. For he is not ready right. for it. He is not. He's not a leader. I'm sorry. He's just no, not a leader. Yeah, he's not. And, um, you know, a leader, you know, brings people up and supports them. And uh, the, the Chicago police are still waiting to see where that comes from. But yeah, he put in a good superintendent. But um, I still think that he needs to prove himself to the police. You know, where does he stand on that? But this immigration issue, boy, this is not helping him at all, this situation. Um and, you know, when you call yourself a sanctuary city, you call yourself a sanctuary state, guess what's going to happen? Don't blame Texas, because right. Texas, if you look at what they're dealing with, they have a massive influence. You, you see, yeah. we don't even show the videos on television. The amount of people that are just standing around, you know, and now they're, you know, they're desperate because what happens when people don't have money or they don't have food? They they start breaking they, into things. They start committing crimes. They start working for, for the cartels. They start doing human trafficking. They start becoming victims of human trafficking. So they had to do, what are they going to do with all these people? They had to get them out of their city. And, well, Sanctuary City, you're the welcoming city, so you're going to get what you asked for or what you said you were. Anita, I never heard heard of anyone other than white socialist reporters and uh, the the Chapatistas, the hard leftists of Mexico that come up here. Those are the only people that like the whole Sanctuary City thing. 
I mean, of many, most most Latino immigrants don't didn't like it, as far as I knew, and they didn't care about it. They're just leave me alone, let me work, let me take care of my kids. Just shut right. up and get out of here. And uh, now we're seeing the the effects of this. It's a chaos, and these poor people are suffering. They didn't do anything. They're not the grandstanders and, and virtue signalers who demanded to be. Uh, we're sanctuary city. Libertad, Libertad. Nobody, nobody told them to do that. Right. Meanwhile, the, the Chicago exactly. Teachers Union is spring breaking at the places where oh, these yeah. people came from. And right, now, right. have you found any? Have you found teachers from the CTU down in Florida? Are you going to do any interviews? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I should leave my eye out for them. Yeah, yeah right. I, I saw Elon Musk tweeted out a um, video of uh, a Chicago press conference in the African-American community, community and they are upset with the, the mayor because, mm-hmm. you know, who blame, who can blame them? You know, all the things that they've been asking for, they don't get them, but the immigrants are getting them. What about the yeah. veterans? You know, they, they need health care. They can't even get an appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is unbelievable what's happening here and what the Biden administration has allowed to happen. And Chewy Garcia, who is supposed to be a congressman, well, where is his voice and where does he stand on this whole Mayorkas thing? Why are you asking questions of Mayorkas? I mean, it is unbelievable to me. And that was another one, you know, he and I, we'd interview him, but he didn't want to talk about immigration. Right. I mean, he is he he's the number one person that's supposed to be in Congress there you know, representing, you know, like, you know, holding people's feet to the fire, especially in uh, issues of immigration, but he's silent. I think we're going to have to talk to Ray Lopez about that. Because yeah, definitely. Obviously, Chewy Garcia doesn't want to talk about it. No. And- yeah, right. Well, that's why I love Raymond Lopez, because he is very vocal and he, you know, he, he, you know, say what you want to say about Alderman or what you might think about him. But I, I always respected him because he, is right there on the side of law and order. And he also has has a heart of compassion. Um, And that's a rare thing to see, but I I think he's going to, yeah. And you think he's really going to give Chewy Garcia a run for his money and, you know, Chewy Garcia's campaign is going to, you know, uh, I don't remember what they're, what were they complaining that they said he didn't speak Spanish or something. I don't even know what that was, but you know what, that, that is so, so, You know, unimportant mm. for what he needs to do. What he needs to do is speak English in Congress. That's what he needs to do. So. <laughs> okay, one of the reasons we like, we called you is because you are so Chicago, although you're in Florida now, and you give a common sense perspective to the news that, unfortunately, you weren't allowed to have complete freedom here right. in Chicago. Right. I mean, we we be asking Anita to come on the podcast for a while. But every long? time there was always like a a friction feeling about the powers that be over you getting involved with the likes of John Cass and I. But we, yeah, how long? How long have we been trying? Like years? Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's 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 um. You know, oh, you know, you want to say that? Ah, you got to be careful what you say. Mm. But I think a lot of what I say resonates with a, a, a probably more people than they realize. And the, it's the honesty that, that I think that people appreciate. And yeah. there have been a lot, you know, I, there's another, uh, there's another podcaster that asked me to come on his show and he has millions of listeners and he's had Elon Musk on the show and they're like, oh, no, no, you can't do that either. It's like, okay, but that's what people appreciate. They appreciate the honesty. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, 
the community appreciates it. The police and fire appreciate it. I mean, you guys remember when the George Floyd um, uh, riots were going on and everybody was afraid to speak, you know, about the destruction that was happening. You I weren't. was not. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. You to remember. Our city. You okay. We remember. Our city. We remember when. Uh, okay. There, here's the one issue that I wanted to ask you about. Back then, during the George Floyd riots, the Black Lives Matter riots, these were this was the Democratic insurrection against the White House and against ruling against the ruling order. This was we're going to destroy your cities, cause billions of dollars in damage, kill some cops, more than just one Ashley Babbitt, kill cops, and uh, what what we saw was there were. BLM rioters planning to come up into the into Little Village, the Latino areas on 18th Street and 26th Street, and then they decided, "Uh oh, we better we better not show up there." What happened? Oh, so I got the background story on that, and this is the stuff that I wasn't allowed to talk about yeah, um, right. on the news and. Spill this the tea. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, boy, let me tell you what. Lori Lightfoot tried to get me fired for this, too, because we what? talked about it on Facebook. She, Oh, yeah, she tried to get me fired. She called her mayor's office, called my news director, and um, tried to get me fired over the fact that we were revealing the truth. So mm-hmm. if you remember that day when they were destroying Chicago, one of the things that people were doing was they wanted to get in on the action because it was coming through on social media. So everybody from the neighborhoods was coming down into the city and so they were they were they wanted to do destruction. Yeah. So Mayor Lightfoot will deny she was the one that made the decision to lift the bridges. I have a source who was right yeah, there in the room at yes. OEMC and she had brand new Brown superintendent there. He didn't know what to do. He was deferring to other people. He he this person who is high ranking police in the room said that, you know, she, Lori, made the call to lift those bridges. And what happened is they lift those bridges and mm-hmm. then they tried to go, they couldn't get to downtown. So then they tried to go into the neighborhood. So what happened was in the in the in the Latino communities, you have the Latin kings there. They were not going to allow any kind of destruction to take place in their community. And I have it from a high-ranking police source that you know what? They were so inundated with so many calls. There was so much chaos. The radios were, you know, were just you couldn't communicate to each other because the radios were just going haywire. Yeah. The two way radios, the communication system. So they had no protection in the neighborhoods for the Latino community. So the Latin Kings stepped up because you know what? They had to protect their own. And they were yanking people out of cars and telling them, no, you're not coming here. You're leaving, mm-hmm. you know, making them. And they were out there with their with their AR-15s and their weapons, you know, just wide out in the open. And the police saw it. And you know what? They had too many other big things to worry about. If the Latin Kings were keeping it quiet right. and keeping things quiet the in the neighborhood. That was one, <laughs> yeah, right. They, there was one less thing that they had to worry about. So that's why those communities did not get destroyed. Um, and I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm not for gangs or anything like this, but my gosh, what that, that was like the one section of Chicago that didn't get destroyed because uh, of the fact that 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 group did something about it because the police were inundated with calls. 
it, it was unbelievable. And, and, then, was- and then, you know, for her to deny that she had anything to do with it. And uh, but when we started exposing it, she wanted me to shut up. Yeah, I'm amazed. Even now, I would expect that there would be many stores uh, on 26th and 18th Street offering purple and white sweaters. You know, I mean, sorry, white and gold sweaters. You know, for sale for the to the kids. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there there was. She lost control of the city. I remember she called me to tell me that she was going to endorse during that period. She was endorsing. Kim Fox, I said, Lori, have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? You know, because I knew she hated Kim Fox, too. Kim Fox, are you crazy? She goes, I have to do it. You know, I have to do this. Every time you tell me this, John, I imagine the scene where uh, in Total Recall where his head explodes, like thinking that, her saying that. I'm sitting, I'm I'm on my deck. You know, in Western, in beautiful Western Springs, a bucolic, calm Western Springs, having a cigar. It's a beautiful summer day. I'm talking to her on the phone, and uh, she's telling me, no, I got to do this. I have to do this. And I'm like, have you lost your mind? She hates hates you. She hates you. Tony Preckwinkle hates you. And uh, she's like, well, I have to do this. And I'm like, you're ruining the city. And. They're not going to like you anyway, and they didn't exactly. like her. Exactly, exactly. They, they didn't like her. They didn't, she didn't. She couldn't buy you. I guess you. One thing we know if we're from Chicago, you can't buy friendship through weakness, right? No, absolutely, absolutely not. And <clears throat> I was surprised that she endorsed her too because they did not like each other. But right. I think she thought that if she endorsed Kim Fox, that that Tony Preckwinkle would turn around and still, you know, help her win her reelection. Mm, uh-huh. and, and nothing could be further from the truth. Right. You can't. You can't trust. You can't trust a politician like that. Nope. Right. You don't go up against the boss with uh, your hand out. <laughs> Expect her to. You know. Anita, help. will you will you come back on? Yes, please. Will you do Absolutely. the? Were your were your people in uh, Florida? Maybe if you want to, if I find some Chicago teachers getting sun, <laughs> like I remember the one that they became famous in the floppy hat that was making the Caribbean soup or oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Mofongo out of, out of conch, conch soup? Yeah, right. Right, right. So if I find some of those and send them to you, will you? Uh, will they let you come back on? Yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I mean, I think, um, I think you know, I think Chicagoans are going to like what we're doing down here, and we need. I told my boss yesterday, I'm like, you need, you need to do a Chicago's voice. You know, we have Florida's voice. We need to do a Chicago's voice, <laughs> and 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 I'll be that person. He said, I keep getting asked to do all kinds of different things sure. because they are doing such a you know a good job here with the Florida's voice, and we are. I gotta say that because I'm part of that team now. Yeah, um, I'm not, yeah. I'm not- I'm not yep. going to play assignment editor, but I think Naples is big on Dan Croft, <laughs> and he lives down there. And I'm going down there to speak to the people in Naples, so you should stop by and interview uh, interview him or me when we're down there. Okay? I would love that. I would love that, and I'd love to come on the show again. This thank you so much. Yeah, so much. Absolutely, thank, thank you so much. And Anita, where can people find you? I know you're 
super active on Twitter. All right. So you can find me on X, Anita Padilla TV. And that's the same on Instagram, Anita Padilla TV. And on Facebook, Anita Padilla TV. Um, Perfect. And I'm also on TV, Anita Padilla underscore TV. So I haven't really done a lot of TikTok. And I really haven't been posting a lot on um uh tiktok because i've been so busy and you have to do videos and i just have been so busy when i get when i come up for air um (laughs) i'll I'll, uh, try to do something but yeah i'm still i'm free to post what i can on x and that's kind of nice yeah you're awesome thank you very much for being here thanks anita stay warm (laughs) all right all right jeffrey we'll talk to you later take care bye-bye stay warm yourself up there (laughs) bye-bye for anita padilla a chicagoan who knows the streets and is now got a great new venture. Check her out. Florida's Voice, Anita Padilla TV is uh, her social media handles. Check her out there. And, of course, for myself, Jeff Carlin, executive producer here at WGN Radio. And, of course, for John Cass, husband, father, Greek Orthodox American, and editor-in-chief of johncassnews.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+.